0: Thanks for tuning in to talk fx where we promise to keep the conversation honest and real for our fragile x community we are a group of moms of fragile x children self-advocates and full mutation carriers from washington idaho and oregon all on a mission to share our stories and experiences in the hopes of reaching more Fragile X families and creating more awareness of Fragile X syndrome. So, with that in mind, let's jump right in to this week's episode of Talk FX. Okay, Welcome back to another episode of Talk FX. Um, I'm really excited to welcome some of my family on with us today. Um, this is the first time I've had any family on besides my husband, Mo. Uh, if you haven't listened to that podcast episode yet, please uh, go check it out. Um, it's our most recent one before we had a uh, Katie Clap on with us, uh, where Mo and I share our Fragile X diagnosis story. Um, and I've been so grateful for those of you that have reached out to us, just encouraged by that episode. Um, it was really fun to do, but I'm super excited about today's episode. Um, we are, or I'm joined with um, my Aunt Michelle, my Uncle Jeff, and my cousin Nathan. Do you want to introduce yourself, Nathan? What's your name? My uh, name's Odell. Yep. How old are you? I'm 12. You're
1: 12? No. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. You're,
0: you're 13. 13. Yeah. yeah. Uh, starting to... Start. I love... <laughs> We're having so much fun. Um. So Nathan is 13 years old and he's my cousin. I've shared with him so many times on uh, Talk FX before. He's just such a joy. And um, before we were even starting this podcast, we were all just laughing so hard because Nathan just uh, loves to sing and perform for us. Um, And he's just so much fun. He sings his awesome music and he wears the most stylish top hat. Yep. And we're so excited to have him on, and uh, also my uh, Aunt Michelle and my Uncle Jeff, who are Nathan's parents. Um, You want to introduce yourself, Michelle? Sure.
1: I'm Michelle, and I'm Mom. I'm Mom. And uh, Jeff?
2: Yes, I'm Jeff.
0: I'm dad. <laughs> yeah, so my husband and I are here visiting with my uh, uncle Jeff and, and Shell and Nathan. Um, and <laughs> um, we're just kind of going to do sort of a raw episode today. Um, and I'm really excited because, you know, this is the first time that I've been able to just kind of... um talk more in depth about Nathan's story, but also just, um, from the perspective of parents of children with fragile X. So, um, with that said, um, I kind of want to start out by talking about Nathan. Um, whoever wants to, you know, kind of chime in is, is great, but, um, what are Nathan's, you know, favorite activities to do on a day-to-day basis?
2: nathan is um he's largely typical of boys his age he 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 loves loud noises he loves well I, I should back up a little bit he loves some loud noises and there are still some that still startle him and scare him mm-hmm. um uh but he loves race cars he loves all he, lo- he, he loves know, he, jumping he loves, he, all all the, he loves all the movies all the cars movies yeah. he loves buzz light he loves so many things like that um, he's always telling me to go faster when we're driving. <laughs> um,
1: He'd like to drive. But... <laughs> he tries.
2: He we, we we have a couple of swings, one out yeah, out in the shop and one in, on our front porch, and he loves to swing. And like most of the fragile X kids do, he stems a lot. Um, he loves triangles. That that's his preferred shape. That we're we've been told by the experts that that's common. Um, every time we go into a hardware store, he knows right where the shelf file is, right where those triangulated white shelf hangers are. He goes right to those. Uh, Mom doesn't let him bring it What to the else house, does Nathan though. love? Nathan loves cute girls. <laughs> that, I mean, that's no exaggeration. He was in love with his second grade teacher. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's the best. Uh, what else does Nathan <laughs> love? Let's see. Uh, Nathan loves people. He he yep. loves his family. We have a, a pretty large extended family, and he truly loves to see the family. He loves to get people together. Um, he loves to be around the other kids at school. Yep. Um, and then also, which uh, is common or typical, we're told, a fragile X, he he loves to be around the people and he loves to observe the activities, but it's tough sometimes to get him to participate in those same activities. So mm. when the kids are playing ball, when they're when they're doing their thing, he wants to kind of be on the outside looking in. That's
1: true.
0: Yeah. Um, what really, I mean, I feel like you guys already kind of touched on this, but what do you think really brings Nathan joy? Um, you know, just in my experience as his cousin, I feel like it's just, really people and having people over at your guys' mm-hmm. house. He loves having visitors.
1: Yes. Very social, um, which is atypical, I think, um, of the average person who lives with Fragile X. I, Nathan would love to have a party every day if he could and have people over. We tend to actually, in our neighborhood, we try to have most of the parties <laughs> because um, we, we do a lot of hosting just to get people to come here because it is, uh, it's not always easy to have Nate feel comfortable um, at other people's homes. Here, he knows where his safe spots are, his quiet places, if he needs to deregulate or
2: um, remove, himself remove himself from, from, from the, the, action. the crazy yeah. yep. going
1: on. So, yep. and, But he'll rejoin you know, when he's ready. So that's really nice. And that's kind of why we've we've hosted some pretty awesome birthday parties and block parties.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Some of the best birthday parties I've ever been to was Nathan's birthday parties. I mean, I remember going on the uh, bouncy house and I was going down the slide and I ended up hurting my ankle and... (laughs)
1: you know the the, the neighborhood we live in just really embraces nate they love him um yeah you know they really want to support him which we we landed in a great spot love everybody here and um you know i think at first we were i was timid a little bit just worried about what people might you know think or say but it it i didn't need to worry about that so yeah
2: I, I, I think at first we both were a little, I don't know, tre- tre- trepidatious, maybe mm-hmm. if that's the correct word there about uh, about having this child with with special needs and what others are thinking. But mm-hmm. I don't think it took us long to just not care.
1: Yeah, I think what, what I I think Jeff, if you would agree to this, I don't know. Um, I think people genuinely support. And want to know what it's like, or maybe want to know Nathan better. I think the hardest thing for people is really they don't know what to say. Yeah, they don't I feel agree. comfortable asking questions. And honestly, I love questions. I wish people would ask me more questions. I think mm-hmm. it's um, it's so important to me to educate the people around here, around Nathan, and Nathan's environment and his community. So later on down the road, you know, people will know how to support him. You know, he won't have a bunch of strangers around. He'll have people that actually get him, and he can feel safe in his environment when we're not here. Right.
0: Yeah, I think um, that's true really with, Any special needs individual, even in my job, you know, I notice how um, my clients, they interact better with coworkers that have an understanding of how to interact with them. And they know when there's coworkers that don't know how to best interact with them. They just almost seem a little bit uncomfortable in the social setting. And, um, you know, ever since stepping into this employment consultant role for people with disabilities that has really been um on my heart is to is how can we not only as parents but educators as um you know in this role of mine like how can we provide um that support to those that you know um I feel really they I feel in their heart, they do want to have a better understanding. I think it's just, you know, if you look at it from their perspective, they're probably asking, well, how do I get that support? How do I educate myself, you know? And, um, you know, us as the advocates, we know the answer, but they don't know
1: necessarily what that answer is. Well, if it pertains to Fragile X, if, if I had any... <laughs> say about it, I would be posting uh, all the Fragile X resources on reader boards going up and down I-5 and across I-90 mm-hmm. interstates, you know, so people were aware that, you know, there's a National Fragile X Foundation and fragilex.org, the website, I'm sure most of your listeners know about that already. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's phenomenal experts out there uh, that know a lot about Fragile X and are out there to help individuals just learning about Fragile X. We had no idea what it was. We'd never heard about it before until Nate was three and a half years old. Yeah. So
2: actually 10 years ago this month.
1: Oh my gosh. Wow. Right? Yep.
2: Yeah. 10 year January. anniversary. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's <laughs>
0: yeah. crazy.
1: Life changed.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Something that was very valuable that reminds me now. Um, uh, Michelle, you jumped in. There, there was no period of of uh you know what do we do um what are we gonna do this is terrible uh, there was no period of that you jumped in with both feet right away and, and i think the, i
1: dove in head first you, and i was well, overwhelmed fair enough <laughs> was like oh get me out of here
2: right <laughs> and one of the first things you did was you found out that there was a conference coming up i think that was mm-hmm. in miami and you signed us up for it and mm-hmm. bought plane tickets and we went and uh, it was it was amazing. We cried a
1: lot. Didn't yeah. We?
2: It was amazing how much we learned at that conference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
0: Was I, that held by National? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. They yeah. put on a good. They do put on a good conference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people from all over the world that have um family members living with Fragile acts come and they bring their self advocates and uh new families to fragilex X like us at the time we had no idea what we were stepping into. Right. So, um, the, the community, the fragile X community is much like, if you will, my husband, well, Jeff's a, par- a paramedic. So I'm going to use the analogy of like a, a firehouse where everybody has incredible camaraderie. They support each other, like, like family members. And I, I would say that about the fragile X community, it's one huge, big family across the globe and we all get it and we're all there for each other. And I love that about our community. So,
0: What would you say to like, uh, you know, cause we're kind of on the topic of fragile X communities. What would you say to those families that, um, I think we often hear about that are searching for resources, but they don't live in a very, you know, um, community-based area. Maybe they live in a more rural area. Um, How
1: do you find resources that way? Well, if there are no resources, you create them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It takes a village and you can create that. And I don't, I I just think sometimes we get so overwhelmed and, and, you know, that dark cloud that isn't dark for very long. It just has to lift at some point where you see the light and you see the opportunities and you see the creativity that you yourself can make happen um, with your loved one and, and create those opportunities with other people. You can create events, you can create um, with the help of others, maybe grant money, create um, those community programs. Even if it was a social social time with other families, not just with Fragile X, but um, there's an autism community, a Down syndrome community. I mean, there are always going to be people that are looking for the same thing you are, and you just have to find each other and come together and create, and that's what it's going to take. Don't wait for people to do it for you
2: Mm -hmm. because
1: it's not going to happen soon enough. And honestly, doing that has it kind of just keeps me busy, keeps my mind busy, keeps me thinking positive, keeps uh, my level of hope in check, right? Mm -hmm. You always need to have hope. Um, And you always need to be aiming high and looking forward. So, Mm -hmm. and you're doing it together. And that's what matters. That way you're not alone either. You're not feeling alone. That's important to me.
0: Yeah, there's so many different areas of hope we can find in the Fragile X community, not just with the, you know, um, uh, the support of other families going through the same thing as you, but also just the hope in the research Mm -hmm. on Fragile X Mm -hmm. and what's going on with that. How, uh, how motivated, you know, FRAXA is, how motivated Mm -hmm. National uh, is, and just how both of their efforts kind of, uh, each other, Absolutely. you know, yeah.
1: um, you have the CRC, the Fragile X CRC, the clinic and, um, research consortium through the national Fragile X foundation. You have FRAXA. They're all working for better treatments and hopefully a cure. Um, you know, and I know there's families way ahead of us that have paved the path before us that, hoped like we are that it would happen in their loved ones' lifetime, right? And the long the way it is long sometimes, but the research is always happening and there's always new new studies. Um I think and I've told somebody this recently that I think we learn the most uh participating in research with Fragilex uh pro, you know different research studies uh, we've done a sertraline study we did a toolbox study we did a um, <clears throat> cbd study we did a metformin. Metfor- well we wanted to do the metformin study but um we yeah it was just the timing was off and we needed to keep moving forward but um we did an aba study mm. um, so we've learned a ton through that more than we would have you know visiting local (laughs) physicians i'm sorry to say but unfortunately we just don't have experts that i'm aware of in our northwest region to really have those answers so man if there's anybody out there questioning research i i encourage it because that's where you're going to get a lot of your information because it's it's today's information it's it's current um
0: well and too you know Um, fragile X is under the category of a rare disease. So it's, it's not super, it's, it's not super common for just your typical physician to have the right supports Mm -hmm. for that. So you do have to look further. um, And Mm -hmm. that's unfortunate in some ways, because it does make the support finding supports harder. And I've talked to countless families who have shared their struggles in that. Mm -hmm. And I know it's been uh, uphill and a downhill spiral for you guys i mean like you said you traveled to uh florida for your first ever conference and since then you know you guys have been at vendor booths you've been at um the national uh fragile x foundation advocacy day in dc i mean i'm sure i'm missing other things that but mm-hmm. like Each of those things that I think you guys have been a part of, you've come back with not only more knowledge of Fragile X, but just how to better yourselves as advocates and how to better um, help others be advocates. Because I say this all the time on our podcast, you do not have to be affected by Fragile X to be an advocate. You can just be a typical person that... You know becomes passionate about wanting to know more about not even just fragile x but other rare diseases too because they're so important to maintain um that support for because you know there's that hope to find a cure for it right and so if we're not all working together even just the typical person you know, then how are we going to find a cure for it? You can't do that alone. You know, you were talking about how community is so important. And that's one of the ways that you, you know, stand up and be a part of your community. I mean, but bo- bo- when I met Mo and I told him about Fragile X, it was his decision to be an advocate. I wasn't forcing him.
1: Well, you you've got a good guy, <laughs>
0: <laughs> just like me. Yes. So, you know, they chose to be advocates, mm-hmm. but you know, you and I are directly affected by fragile X in a you know
1: genetic perspective. Yeah, aren't we special? We get, to, <laughs> we get to carry this cool gene. Wow. Very special. Yeah, it, it's life changing, isn't it? <laughs> Much gel. Oh. Yeah, you gotta just go with the punches and you gotta keep it positive, man. You know Well Nathan keeps it positive. Stressful enough. You know, I, I I think I think too when we talk about can we just talk a little bit about education?
0: Oh I yes. We
1: could do a total
0: I know big long podcast yeah. on education, several but we're not podcasts. gonna several, several. several. It would not. be a four part <laughs> series. But, but
1: here's here's where our ten years so far have landed us. And that is, don't think for a minute that your public education system is going to get your kiddo to where you want them to be. It is going to take a lot of work on your part. It is going to be, um, you, you have to be invested in it. You have to almost have this idea like you're, you're going to put money forward for maybe a private school, right? Which means part-time homeschool. You're going to have homework. Just look at it like homework. Um, really think about how, in, how invested you're willing to be mm-hmm. um, because I truly believe in my heart, my mama heart, And my intellect that my son has the most incredible potential. And the way he can learn from his typical peers of his age and what he learns from them, if we had more and more of that, I think sky's the limit, really. I just believe that. And I want. I want our public education system to take our loved ones, our kids seriously. I want them to really be intentional about their ability beyond what they see and hear, right? I just, there's a a really smart person in there (laughs) and they want to be heard. They want to be seen. So, and I'm not talking about the biology of fragile X wanting to be seen because they do have a lot of anxiety and they don't always want to be seen. But what I'm talking about is they have a voice and and let's help them let it be heard. I think that's so important. They they think like you and I do. Um, we all want to be heard.
0: Yeah. So. I I think that, you know, uh every time that i I hang out with nathan he he you know he loves the interaction he loves to uh learn new things you know like today we were playing foosball and he he picked that up quickly Mm -hmm. i'm not sure if he's really played that before Mm -hmm. and because you know i'm not here as often as i would love to be but you know he was uh uh putting in the ball for us each time we played another round and he you know you know did his best to make his dad look good but you know
1: <laughs>
0: nathan just kind of had it all in his court <laughs>
1: yeah. he's a good kid he really he's so sweet he's funny he's oh super funny and um, yeah. I, I want to say, let me just say too, on the public education system, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not bashing it. No, but I'm, I'm, I feel sorry for it because it's underfunded. Um, mm-hmm. it's overworked and especially right now. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> we have, to, it. it's going to take all of us to mm-hmm. get our kids to where we want them to be. And, you know, there's some frustration around that, but it, it is what it is, and you just you just have to do it. Um, at least in our world, we have to do it here. Yeah. So it's you know it's not what we thought it would be, but I'll tell you when we left birth to three services, and we were told to put on that breastplate of of um, strength and advocacy and warrior stance <laughs> <laughs> when we enter the public school system. Um, they weren't kidding, but you don't, you just don't have to go into it with that attitude. Just, um, educate yourself, just be educated, but don't stress yourself out, out over it because you can certainly end up with PTSD trying to right the wrongs of the systems and it's not worth it. It's just, it doesn't work. So save yourself and put your energy into your children.
2: I'm sure none of the Fragile X carriers are going to stress themselves out. (laughs) Not that they have anxiety or anything like
1: that.
2: that. We've learned a lot at the conferences, and that's one of those many things.
0: Yeah. 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 Do you mind if we shift gears a little bit?
1: This is your show.
0: Oh, no, it's not. It's everyone's show. (laughs) It's Nathan's show. (laughs) Well, it was when he started things out with his top hat on and he was ready to speak into the microphone and introduce himself. It was just the best. <laughs> um,
1: performer, that's for sure.
0: You know, before we we kind of jumped onto this podcast, we were kind of talking about um just the process of telling family once you you know found out about fragile X and you know. I'm sure that a lot of, um, other families have had tough experiences. I mean, I'm, I'm, um, I've talked with other families who, you know, once they told their family, they didn't talk for a while and that was so hard to hear. Um, that's not what, you know, really happened with, uh most of our family members were very supportive, you know, Nana, um, which is, you know, your mom, my, Mm -hmm. my Nana, um, and, uh, you know, Papa and, you know, um, but whatever you want to share on that.
1: Wow. I, I just remember the day we found out about it and I got on the internet and read about it. And, um, after I wailed and cried for a few days um and while I was wailing and crying is why I emailed my um my stepmom and told her about fragile x because uh my dad had just been diagnosed with parkinsons and I read about faxtas and the you know and I, my head spinning like oh my gosh maybe it's facsas so um I emailed her instead of called because I couldn't, I couldn't not cry. It was hard. Um, And then of course, mom was very supportive and Nate's number one advocate at the time before she passed and um, telling my extended family out across the States that, uh, well, we just assumed my dad was the carrier and later, confirmed that he was so after we confirmed that we let um, the extended family across the states learn about it and they studied it on their own and um, those that wanted to be tested got tested and um yeah it's but it you know it it isn't the easiest thing for somebody to hear and so some people just don't want to hear it about it or talk about it. And that's just fine. Um, we can respect that. But my hope and belief was that someday, hopefully, <laughs> you know, just to know the what's in possibly in store in the future. I, I'm a planner. I have anxiety. So I want to know what's coming. <laughs> um, that's just me though. But not everybody does. And we have to respect that. And we just have to be okay with that. Do mm-hmm. just know that you did the best you could um, with the information you had, and you shared it as much as you could. And you just start. You have to be good with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I'm going to go back a little bit and talk about um, we. We were just purely lucky to get a, a, a really good primary care doc for Nathan. Yeah. And to this day, we still, we travel 50 miles to go see him. We wanted to stay with him. Um, I think it was at the one year evaluation that there was something that wasn't, he wasn't meeting a milestone. I think it was crawling possible. I can't remember Mm -hmm. for sure. But when Nathan was two and a half, we ended up at the autism center at children's hospital in Seattle. And um he was diagnosed at that time with with having uh, autism and that got us services and it was a little bit later that our primary doc recommended we do some genetic testing and i have to admit that uh i was very wrong but at the time i, I... so Wait. so we were talking about the uh, Nathan being at uh, Seattle children's hospital getting diagnosed with uh, autism and we were getting services. And so I, I guess I didn't see the need to further genetic tests, mm-hmm. um, which obviously now in hindsight was the wrong attitude, but, um, um, but we went ahead with it and, and, um, M- Michelle just, she wasn't, I was at work the day that she got the news and, and she just wasn't able to make the phone call. Um, so our doctor called me and, um, I guess it was a bigger shock than I than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I luckily we it was kind of a slow day and it was a, a sunny day, warm enough that I was outside. It was still January. It was a, exactly a year later, um, and yeah, I just boy, I really had to take a, a few minutes and try to kind of kind of get my head put back on straight. I suppose I, that's the best I could really describe it.
0: Yeah. Um I think that, you know, um it's like that confirmation that you can't really prepare yourself for. Um
2: It's probably a yeah, it's probably a good way to put it. Yeah. You know. I mean
0: at least that's how I I felt like you know, once my sister got tested as a carrier and it was negative, I mean if I know anything about genetics, then that would mean that I would be the carrier. Right. So in the back right. of my mind, I knew, but still like the confirmation was n- no less difficult. So, um, yeah.
2: Yeah. So talking about this lead, it uh, leads me to, something that we'd already mentioned, but I I can't stress enough. And I know that it's, I know that not everybody can just that easily make it to the conferences, but I can't say enough of how, how uh, informative it was in so many ways comforting. It was to hear. And I mean, it was almost, uh, it, it was amazing. Uh, on the, the first night, this, the social gathering, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Hearing the stories of the other families that mirrored ours, and that was that Michelle's father had what started out as um, being diagnosed as benign tremors, and then to a diagnosis of Parkinson's. I don't know if he'd had that diagnosis yet or not, if they were still just calling him benign tremors at that point. Um, We heard all these same stories from all these families about um, they had a child with fragile X, mom's a carrier. Uh, and and her father had these tremors, or was di- misdiagnosed until they found this child with fragile X, and then so many pieces of this puzzle just kind of fell back together. I guess um, we learned so much about uh, the biology of why Nathan's anxiety is the way it is, and for me personally, that that made it it makes it still to this day it makes it much easier for me to understand and be patient with. Um, and as an example, there was a a German, uh, scientist putting on, giving a a class and I mean, she had such a heavy accent. You could, you could barely understand her, but, um, it was, it was a fascinating class. She had studied a hundred kids, 50 of them with Fragile X and 50 without, and each child she did, she had 100 different EEG, um, uh, what do I want to say here? Outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. Each kid had a hundred different EEG, uh, results. Right. So, you know, do the numbers. It's like 10,000 different lines of, of, of brain function she's looking at. And she was able to very definitively show how a kid without fragile X syndrome, when they get upset, their EEG reflects that predictably. And as, as that child calms down, um, again, their, their EEG waves, uh, show that as well. And then the kids with fragile X, were similar in that their EEGs would, would excite or, or speed up, I guess, when they were getting upset. But then when you thought that kid was calm, their, their brainwaves were still going at that same pace. They were still in their own head, just so fired up and it took them a lot longer to come down. And so that, that has made it easier through the years for me to understand why it seems to sometimes take Nathan a long time to calm back down. It makes it easier for me to be understanding and, mm-hmm. and not angry and frustrated and things like that. And there was just so much at that conference. I, I'm trying to think of some other examples of things that were helpful. And yeah, It was overwhelming, really, the I the conference.
1: I always went to the presentations by Tracy and Mouse. Oh, yeah. They talked about the yep. occupational therapy and the speech combined, and it just all made sense, you know, we just put everything in perspective of what we were seeing and um, dealing with at home. So that was very helpful. Right.
0: Wow. I remember when I went to my first uh, advocacy day with you, and I mean, we won't get into how our flights went, but... <laughs> I think mean, we were just talking about the, that nightmare, but, um, and how, uh, amazing that was. I think I talked about it, um, on the episode that I did last year, promoting advocacy day, but, um, coming up. yeah, another one, uh, already. And I don't know if it's in person this year. Um, cause the it's last virtual okay. I figured it would probably change, but they started out by saying it would be in person, but
1: we're always hopeful that it's in person. I know, but yeah,
0: even virtual. Um, I know that national just sort of is good with adjusting even at the last minute and they, they make it as, uh, informative for families as possible. And, um, but anyways, the last advocacy day I went to was 2018, I think. Or...
1: Wow. Wasn't that long ago? Yeah. <laughs> oh
0: my um, oh, wow. and it was so, it was so great to just, um, have that experience of, of, that that National offered of kind of helping guide you into how to speak to your legislators about um, Fragile X. And really the key focus was keeping Fragile X on the list of rare diseases that's funded yes. for research. And um, just being more confident in even talking about that in general um, was so, such an empowering experience as an advocate. And so I can't even imagine how uh, empowering it is for parents, you know. I think that those experiences are important because it helps you gain confidence. And even just talking to, um, you know, your educators, um, your kids' educators, I think those experiences are so important for families to uh, immerse themselves in because it helps them gain more confidence in, um, just being a part of those types of meetings that, you know, are more, probably more formal than anyone's really used to. And, um, yeah, I got to meet different legislators that I wasn't really even aware of, um, and got to learn more about. Um, and I think it's just, So important. Um, I know that families in the Fragile X community kind of live all over the place. But um, if, you know, you can uh, be a part of the advocacy day this year, um, I believe it's usually at the end of February on the 26th.
1: It's
0: like the 26th or something. Just
1: um, go to FragileX.org and click on advocacy. Yeah. And it'll give you all the information you need to do to set up. Your registration and um look at all the asks for this this session Mm -hmm. so it's that easy and then they set up all the meetings for us
0: yeah and they also have um links to different webinars as Mm -hmm. well um from different experts like dr ronnie hogerman um i know there's one with um oh my um remind me jamie
1: Jane Dixon Weber. Jane
0: Dixon Weber. Yeah. Thank you. Like
1: informational videos, yeah, not yeah. Necessarily advocacy, although they yeah. are very strong advocates. Okay. Mm, uh, yeah, <laughs>
0: we've had uh, both of them on Talk FX before, so definitely go dig back um, in our file or in our files in our archives of um, of uh, episodes because they're both on there. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, I think we've covered so much already. A lot. <laughs> I, told, I told them before I kind of got going on, on recording this episode that I wanted it to just be raw because I think raw is important. I think that it's um, encouraging to families to hear how uh, other fragile ex-parents are are get encouraged and how they stay motivated. Um And, you know, from an advocate standpoint, you know, because my husband and I don't have kids yet, um, hopefully, you know, soon, I don't know what soon is, but, (laughs) um, but I mean, yeah, we, we are so encouraged when we are even just around my aunt and uncle and just how much, um, patience and grace that they have for Nathan and how much fun they are, if I may say. (laughs) Just like how, you know, earlier we were playing foosball with my uncle Jeff and Nathan and Nathan was just having a hoot and um, he was calling his dad by his name, saying, come on, Jeff. <laughs> it was really, really great. Um, I don't think I had ever heard him. No, maybe I have heard him call you by your name and not, not like dad or daddy. So that was that was
1: great for me. Maybe we should <laughs> start saying dad and mom instead of mommy and daddy. So when he's 25, he's not saying mommy and daddy. Or you can
2: just call us Jeff and Michelle. Yeah, and we do
1: that too. <laughs> Yeah. And, well, I just thank you for the compliments, Nicole. And I You're also, very I just want to say how proud <laughs> I am of you and um, starting this podcast and taking it on. And- both,
2: we are both wow. very impressed. Yeah. Certainly.
0: Sorry. Can you say that closer to the mic? <laughs> To say it we, again
2: we, do you want me to write it out for you too we are very proud and impressed by nicole for her accomplishments there's a whiteboard behind me do you want me to write it on the
1: whiteboard and take a picture and send it to you text it to you i can do that i'll do it right now oh uh, well Thank you. i appreciate thanks that. for including us in this it was pretty fun i wish it was more you know just because i like to plan and know what i'm going to talk about i feel like Hmm. I talked about a lot. Did it make any sense to I don't know.
0: Well, I but, like to put my aunt on her
1: toes because, you, you
0: know, I, I know how that feels. So <laughs> I'm used to,
1: I'm used to throwing my feet in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, is there any kind of last thing you guys, either of you kind of have had on your heart while we've been talking to share on? Don't despair.
1: Just don't go there. Yeah. Always stay uh, focused, stay um, proactive, and know that whatever you do is going to impact no matter what. Action is impactful.
2: Stay involved with your educators. Um, most of them are great. Um, not all of them are. Uh, it, it's, a, it's amazing what I have learned uh, a quick little conversation after the after his session with a speech therapist, and she she talks about what they worked on today, or, and uh, that'll remind me of oh, I've been trying to teach Nathan what it means for words to rhyme. That's still something that we're working on, and she'll say oh well here's the tactic I use, and it's amazing how often ideas that i get from different educators i think to myself well why didn't i think of that you know so so simple you know she she's talking about writing you know having the words written out moose goose so you can show him that there's just one different letter and instead of just verbally trying to tell nathan what it means to rhyme a lot of things like that and i've also found with nathan and this 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 seems like a no-brainer but the, the key, and with any human, but especially with a kid with uh, intellectual disability, is finding a way to motivate them to want to do what you want them to do. So as we all know, the kids with fragile X, are, here's my one of my examples, is they've got uh, both gross and fine motor delays. and um, I, w- I I had tried working with Nathan on how to put the key in the door, to open the door, to get in the house, and and, and it was really... I think it was more frustrating for him than anything, actually. Mm-hmm. And then we have a we have a detached shop that I'd put a swing up in and I'd put a TV on the wall with the idea that I would get him to hang out with me more when I'm doing things in the shop. And he knows that when he's out there by himself, he can turn the volume up on the TV as loud as he <laughs> wants, and we're not policing that. So he was <laughs> he was very motivated to get into the mm-hmm. shop. And so one day. I just thought, well, shoot, I'll just, I'm going to hand you the keys and tell you, go for it, buddy. And and I, and I watched out the window and he stood there for probably a good 20 minutes, but he wanted in that shop so bad. He, he, he was he determined and now throwing a key in a door and opening it up is like, it's no big deal for him. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're always trying to think, okay, how can we motivate him mm-hmm. to want to do this?
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that it's so encouraging to even just see that as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, I can't relate uh, super well, but he is my cousin, and I love him to death. And oh, seeing him really well, well, seeing him progress is so encouraging to me, um, and it helps me, you know. Um, better understand and prepare for my potential future, future with a child with fragile X, because, you know, as a carrier, there's that 50, 50 chance. And, you know, um, just my, my cousin gives me peace. Uh, he really does. I know it was not easy to even get to where you guys even are now it's hard to find we talked about it it's hard to find those supports sometimes you know sometimes you have to look far and wide for someone that knows about Fragile X to a good enough uh point that they can really help you know um tuning in to Talk FX. We hope you've left this episode feeling encouraged and knowing you're not alone on this journey with Fragile X. It is our mission to provide resources, support and encouragement to our listeners. Whether you are a mom of Fragile X children, a self-advocate or a full mutation carrier, this podcast is for you. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at TalkFragileX. You can tune in to the latest episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcast.